Film Fanatics. From the silver screen to your earphones. With Alan Azulay and Gal Balaban. Welcome back to Film Fanatics, where we talk about the movies that have us obsessed, excited and inspired. Actually today, where we talk about the TV shows that have us obsessed, inspired and excited. Ah, plot twist. And I'm Gal. This week, we're bringing back our TV fanatics mode way earlier in the season than before. TV is more exciting than ever this year. Last time we had our Emmy predictions, and so that sort of year of TV is closed. And this fall is just another exciting year for TV fans already. Yeah, so what segment are we bringing back today? We're, being, we're bringing back TV Gems. TV Gems is, a, is a, a segment we had last year where we talked about... Uh, these aren't exactly like things that nobody's talking about, to be fair. But like, basically, we bring two shows that we know the other one isn't watching, and we try to convince the other one to watch. That's I think basically. I think last year when we did it, it was shows that um, that like a lot less people had seen. Yeah. To be fair, my yeah. pick was Ted Lasso back then, and now it's the biggest comedy show in the world. And uh, I've watched it. I've watched it after Gal suggested it in that show, and it's one of my favorite comedies of all time. And I so. still hadn't watched. Whatever Alan suggested that episode. I don't remember what I suggested. I think it was The Politician or something. Oh, it's so good. You should watch it. Okay. Um, so let's start with you, Gal. What, uh, with your first... Okay, yeah. So this is one that I I finished already a little bit ago. And it is an Emmy winner, like we talked about earlier. And I originally had no plans of watching it. But on my flight back from my trip, it was a long flight and... I was having trouble deciding what to watch, and I saw the person next to me watching it. Um, and so I put on an episode of Hacks, and I ended up watching four. Um, and it's funny as hell. It's so good. And I think it might be almost on the level of Ted Lasso and Only Murders on the Building, wow. at least just from a writing perspective. Like, enjoyment, the other two I are more of my thing. But from a writing perspective, the other two... Like, it definitely deserves to be nominated alongside them. For its first season, it actually won both the writing and directing for comedy Emmys. And for both seasons, Gene Smart got the Best Actress Award. Uh, there's this stand-up comedian who's in her 70s, and her name's Deborah Vance. And she's kind of becoming washed up because her regular venue in uh, in Vegas is sort of trying to get her to have the next couple performances be her last And so she's trying to like get a change in her career. So she hires this, um, this like younger writer named Ava, who's recently been sort of canceled for some dumb joke, uh, on Twitter, like a couple months back. And so, yeah, they both really desperately need each other, even though Gene Smart's character is treating, um, the younger character like shit, um, because she's so like vain and uh, she wants everything a certain way because, you know, she's a wealthy old white woman. And <laughs> I know those. And she's like really this diva and she's really having trouble coming to terms with uh, with her fame. And so uh, Hannah Einbinder's character, Ava, brings like more of a Gen Z perspective to everything. And let me just say, Hannah Einbinder has never been in anything that much. And she is fantastic here. Like she brings such this, uh, such a raunchy perspective to comedy, and um, and she's so like honest and outrageous. And every time she's on screen, you just really laugh and enjoy her character. So yeah, I mean, Hacks is just it's a highlight because it's like 
A, it's a very female-led show, and I think those audiences are really going to grasp onto it. But it's very sort of honest and borderline satirical about the comedy and television industry today. And um, there's always sort of either references to what's going on or uh, in the way that they have to like figure out how to best like market their comedy. And in addition to that, all the characters play off each other really well. And they all start off really shitty people, and that's funny to watch. Great. Yeah, this has been on my list for so long at this point. <laughs> it was not on my list until I watched it on the plane. No, this this has been on my HBO Max list for, honest to God, six months. And I still haven't watched it. So don't worry, I'll get to it for sure. It's an easy watch because it's first season's 10 episodes, second season's 8 episodes, okay. and they're half an hour each. Okay. Mine is not that much of an easy watch. So, um, <laughs> the one I chose was a little show called The Crown. Uh, the Crown is coming back to Netflix in like less than a month for season five. And that paired with the existence of Matt Smith with the demise of the Queen have all made me want to go back and watch it because I've only ever watched like a couple of episodes back in the day. And it has been recommended by our film teacher. So oh, yeah. this is something that I have I kept on my list ever since he recommended it to us. Uh, and I will say it is a bit of a slow burn and it, it does take a little bit. Like if you if you don't like this kind of stuff, uh, like this very British highbrow drama, you won't like it. There's no going around it. But it's so funny sometimes, and it's so kind of like dark, Wait, but not funny? really. It, it's so funny sometimes, but I think it's like the dry British humor. Like, I don't think it's supposed <laughs> to be funny, but sometimes, like, the, the characters say some shit, and, like, they're being, like, that serious, and you and you're just go, like, <clears throat> what? <laughs> uh, so, it's kind of like that, and, like, uh, like, they're so out of touch with reality, um, and the performances in this show are, are, like, on a complete other level. Uh, Matt Smith, Claire Foy, Olivia Coleman. This is a hard show to keep track of cast, okay? There's so many people in this show. Uh, Dominic West is going to play, uh, play Prince Charles this year. Oh, damn. And Elizabeth the Be- uh, Elizabeth the Beaky is going to pre- uh, play Princess Diana. I love her. So, They're that's both interesting. fantastic. And um, Ven- uh, Vanessa Kirby and Helena Bonham Carter played Princess Margaret at different ages. They were both fantastic for completely different reasons. Damn. Uh, Helena Bonham Carter is so sassy, so funny, <laughs> yet so sad and depressed. And it's so amazing. Vanessa Kirby is more like depressed most of the time. <laughs> I actually ended up binging it in like two weeks. Oh, really? Uh, once, I, once I got it going, like once I went through the first like four or five episodes that I, I was like slugging after that. I just ran through them in like two weeks. So, and I hear that prime minister actors were incredible. The prime minister actors are fucking sensational. Um, like uh, John Lithgow and we, John you have Anderson. John Lithgow, which is the only actor in the whole show <laughs> that doesn't age with the time jump. He he's still John Lithgow 
uh, to two different uh, uh, Queen Elizabeths. And both the prime ministers are American actors. Yes, and the other one fantastically played by... Julian Anderson. Thank you, Julian Anderson. I've heard she's terrific in it. She deserves an Emmy. I don't know if she won it. I think she, she won it. Yeah, she, so there you go. So I've never, I've always been kind of ap- apprehensive to get into this show just because the royal family stuff has never really been my thing and when it comes to shows like like i don't know if if 50 hours is like my my um it's not easy my groove (laughs) like i'm sure that once i got into the groove the way you did i'd be like oh shit this is amazing but you also kind of warned me that you have to get into it first and i feel like that part would just be kind of boring to me but it's a shame because like all these actors i'm a huge fan of especially olivia coleman or um vanessa kirby uh claire foy um Elizabeth Debicki yeah like these are really great actors so I'm sure it's terrific and this is like one of the most expensive shows in history I think and it really looks like they've they've gone through their way to create this epic of an entire woman's life I mean I guess uh Rip the Queen her whole family's Um, life yeah you watch like I've watched on this show Prince Charles be born and in season five he's supposed to be like 50 i guess the main reason i've been kind of apprehensive and i believe everything you say that it's amazing but the only reason it might take a while for me to check it, took it me out six tries to get it really yeah so yeah i <laughs> i predict it'll take me a while to get into the crown too uh especially also because i've seen the queen with helen mirren or the iron lady with meryl streep or most recently spencer with kristen stewart which i thought See, was that's great my thing i haven't seen any of those so it was easier for me to get into this because of that i didn't know anything but interestingly enough peter morgan who wrote the queen also created the crown so mm. um he's queen elizabeth's biggest fan i guess uh i don't know she might have something to say about that because <laughs> a lot of shit comes out in the show no i'm kidding also he's like. like very critical of her in uh in sorry in the queen also so oh great great because like i like that they don't shy away from this shit yeah. because they are horrible people let's face it because yeah. in uh, the movie <laughs> it's all about um the prime minister tony blair telling her that she's stubborn great so also i want to shout out uh charles dance uh he plays uh, Lord Mountbatten, which is low-key one of the best roles. I think anything Charles Dance touches just turns to gold, though. Charles Dance got to meet a, a certain movie lover last month. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I said a little hello to him when I when he was in the crowd of a movie that I watched. And, uh, yeah, Charles Dance took the baton, and he, he was great in it. He was one of my favorite actors from Game of Thrones. He played my man, Lannister. Tywin? I think he played Tywin. I haven't even watched it, and I know that, because basically when I was in the Toronto Film Festival, he was in an audience of a movie I went to, and um, there were a bunch of people going up to him saying, you're my favorite Lannister. Yes, I was right, Tywin. Tywin Lannister. So that's a great segue, Alan. What are you watching right now? Right now, I'm watching what's probably going to be my favorite show of the year, because I'm such a fucking Game of Thrones head. And it is the House of the Dragon, and I can't stop talking about this show, and I can't stop watching this show. Uh, House of the Dragon is a goddamn masterpiece of a show. 
that is streaming on HBO and HBO Max right now. It is the prequel series to the aforementioned Game of Thrones. And uh, it takes place about 200 years before Game of Thrones. And uh, it's basically the story of how the Targaryens got into this a civil war between themselves. Because when you start Game of Thrones, there's basically no Targaryens left. So is it like Game of Thrones meets the crown? It is kind of like Game of Thrones meets the crown, especially because of my main man, Matt Smith. Because in one season, we had at least two different actors for most characters. Oh. Uh, for like half the season, it was one, and half the season, other, and like... The kid characters, like, we've had, like, three or four actors for the kids' characters, and now they're, like, adults. So, like, it is a bit, like, weird to keep track. So, Matt Smith as Prince Damon Targaryen, a.k.a. the most badass motherfucker <laughs> in the room. Uh, he, yes, he is a horrible person, technically, but I do still love him, and I do still root for him, even though he killed so many people uh reese iffens fantastic oh, i didn't know he was in that show he also has lasted all the time jumps so he's been there the whole show uh he, i literally only know him from the lizard in the spider-man movies and then he played rasputin he's so good man Kingsman. he's so fucking good in the show betty constantine constantine everyone's saying and i agree give this motherfucker an emmy like right now like right now just the there won't be a best actor category next year. Just give it to Petty Constantine. He plays King Viserys, and in the beginning I thought, oh my god, he's gonna be like this drunk fat king like we had in Game of Thrones with um uh with Baratheon, which was the first king in Game of Thrones. And I was like, oh, it's gonna be the same shit. This man goes through so much shit. I actually uh, really like him as like a character actor who was lesser known um there's this movie that i actually watched and we talked about on the podcast because of you uh death of stalin which he uh oh yeah Yeah, uh i can't remember like he was been in a lot on the side um oh shit he was in hot fuzz how do i not remember that because you Uh, don't remember him and that's insane and he is the best actor on this show so now he's really getting the spotlight which is crazy because everyone was talking about matt smith in the beginning and after like two or three episodes, people were like, wait, wait, what? Betty Constantine. Let me just say, by the time I started watching TV shows, Game of Thrones was already like seven seasons in. So I just never got into it. But I think after all these last couple of weeks, you telling me about House of the Dragon, I think I'll start with this and then get into Game of Thrones finally. You will want to after you watch this. Yeah. <laughs> and what I know, what I was going to say is George R.R. R. Martin has said that Patty Considine's character is um is better than the way he wrote it. Yeah. He said that if he could rewrite the book, he would rewrite it like Patty Considine, which is probably funny. the best like compliment you could get. Yeah. George R. R. Martin is an ex- an exec here. He's an executive producer. He wasn't one in Game of Thrones. For people who had concerns after the end of Game of Thrones, like what should win them back here? Like me, like I've talked on the show that I was like why do we need this? Game of Thrones was like whack so what won you back here i was one back in the first half an hour of the first episode because the writing in the show is fantastic like game of thrones is awesome the direction of the show is fantastic the cinematography is fantastic the actors are fantastic it's on a whole other level like honestly 
Like, it reminds me of the feeling I had the first season watching Game of Thrones, of something just being just so fucking good that you can't keep your eyes out of it and you have to pay attention to everything because you can't miss a single detail, otherwise you're fucked because you're not going to understand the whole season. So I'm watching something that's in the universe of a property that's somehow bigger than Game of Thrones, and it's the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. So um, I couldn't miss this because I love the Lord of the Rings movies. I even would defend the Hobbit movies. I think they're not perfect, but they're, They're I really enjoy them still and I've watched them a couple times. So like I knew I was going to love the world building of this. I'm a little bit behind because I know it's already ended. I'm only three episodes in and I'm enjoying it so far. I don't have as much good to say as I do House (laughs) of the Dragon because I feel like the show is still getting its groove. What I do really like so far is mostly the visuals because they do a really good job of emulating the look of the Peter Jackson movies and how to make it feel epic, but like justify the slow introduction into it. Um, what the fuck's it about? Because I watched the trailers and I don't know. <laughs> so far, it's if you know Galadriel from from the Lord of the Rings movies, she's the main character. Is she and, Evangeline Lily? You know, <laughs> no, that's Tariel. Um, I haven't watched those movies in so long. Galadriel is played by the great Kate Blanchett. Oh, Kate Blanchett, okay. And so it's a really hard task to to follow someone like her. And Morfid Clark is playing the young version of her. Morfid Clark is how you pronounce it because I think her name is Welsh. Um, and she's so far the best part. I saw her before this in a movie called Saint Maud, and she plays a fucking psychopath in that movie. So I really had to shake that off. Oh, but I think she's I watched that too. She's pretty like badass and very human in this movie. Elrond is also cool. Again, you have to play someone who Hugo Weaving played in the Lord of the Rings movies. Um, And so that's a bit of a challenge. But so far, what they're doing with him is good. Where I think it's still finding its groove is in the subplots. Again, it's ended. And I think a lot of people who are big Tolkien fans have finished it. But I'm only three episodes in. So this is what I've gotten out of it. It's still like like a very slow build because it's only three episodes into I think they're gonna go on for a lot of seasons with the prequels. So what it's mostly about is like Galadriel believes that Sauron is not actually defeated, but he's come back. And you know, we all know that that's he's indeed back. Um and he's gonna be played by Walter White in season two. That's oh yeah, what that's heard. that's what we saw. Apparently, <laughs> I haven't even finished this season, but uh, someone said from the crew of the show said that Sauron's going to be like Walter White in season two. Um, so Hollywood needs to be stopped. <laughs> so yeah, and so far it's directed by the episodes have been directed by J. A. Bayona, really, who, who directed The Impossible, uh, A Monster Calls, and Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. AKA my favorite Jurassic World movie that everyone hates. <laughs> yeah. So, so far, where I think the show could be a little bit better is some of the side characters. And where it's like, there's this really weird subplot where there's these two Hobbit kids and they're trying to, they find like this dude who fell from the sky and they're trying to hide him from the rest of the, the Hobbit community. I don't even know if they're Hobbits or humans or something, but, um, oh, they're called Harfoots, I think. Um, but whatever. So that's a bit of a weird subplot. But so far, I do think the visuals and the production design are something really amazing for a small screen show. It's apparently the most expensive 
show of all time right now. Got that Jeff Bezos money. Exactly. And so and so it feels very much like the things that Peter Jackson did, but where I'm hoping to see it improve a little bit is um when you already start the Lord of the Rings the Fellowship of the Ring, for example, even though um it's really slow with the world building, I felt like at that point there was already more soul to it. Like like you see Frodo and Sam hanging out, you see like Gandalf, like he's somehow making jokes or Aragorn, like you see all the sides of him. So far I think it needs to it needs to get into the groove more of yeah. the soul of the characters. Yeah. And I've only felt that so far with Galadriel, who again I think she's done a really good job, the actress. But again, I'm only three episodes in, so let's see where it goes from here. Awesome. Uh, I'll definitely get into it. I think my reasoning not to getting into it is this, similar to yours with Game of Thrones. I haven't watched The Lord of the Rings in like years. So uh, I want to rewatch that before I watch the show. I'll gladly rewatch The Lord of the Rings movies with you. Great. Let's talk about She-Hulk, shall we? She-Hulk Attorney at Law, the show that has taken the world by storm these last couple weeks. In the worst way possible. (laughs) It has brought out the worst side of every person imaginable. Okay, maybe I'll I'll start um, with what I did like about the show. Um, I liked Tatiana Maslany. She's great. She is She-Hulk. She is the character from the comics. She was like a, a real person that you may want to hang out with. Whether you like it or not, you're now a superhero. Let's do this. You know that friend you had in high school? Who was way cooler than you were, attractive, got all the attention from everyone. I love the first two episodes. I love Mark Ruffalo in it. I love Tim Roth in it. Everything they did with Tim Roth was great. And it wasn't the way I expected. It was com- the, the complete opposite. That great, but, that's and, it. <laughs> but I enjoyed it. Like most of the things that they did with him. The guest like, here is especially really good. his acting. Josh Segarra is fantastic, even though it's kind of weird for me to see him playing a, a really sweet guy after seeing him play the one of the worst psychopaths in comic book history. He's like one of the only good men in this show. Exactly, which is so weird to me because I'm used to him being the worst man in a different show. Um, For me, the highlight was Ginger Gonzaga, though. She's great. She's great. <laughs> she was just so funny, and she was like a mood. Like, she doesn't give a shit. Um, and she just says whatever on her mind, whatever's on her mind, even yeah. if it's like, even if she's like bullshitting whatever, she like is gonna offend someone or have some crazy idea i enjoyed her a lot everything else not a fan i'm mixed on it some people are trashing it i thought it was okay like it's fine but it did leave me at the end with a very like meh feeling it felt like watching like a a mid-tier action comedy show that entertained and i actually laughed quite a bit but it does get a little frustrating in terms of where the potential could have gone it just seemed like it was getting like Everyone hates Jennifer Walters, like, but everyone loves She-Hulk, but, like, it's so bad, like, even her friends kind of hate her, like, so it's just a bummer of a show, like, you're just watching it, and you're like, oh, this show is such a bummer, and, um, 
that's basically how I felt throughout like the middle part of the show. I was just getting bummed out. <laughs> I think this movie was a little too bent on on like doing the sitcom nature, which I think they were just trying to do it to make a point. Because with a lot of these, like Kevin Feige is like, oh, it's a crime thriller, but in the MCU. Or, oh, this one's a legal comedy, but in the MCU. And I think they just wanted to... They went so much into the sitcom nature just so yeah, that they could they, feel like other shows. They didn't go enough into the legal comedy part of it, which <laughs> I didn't understand. <laughs> Here's the thing. It just like... I feel like they could have at least just had a villain that goes through all the episodes. Because... It was very yeah. insistent on just being like standalone was, episodes. Exactly. And it was like um, a villain that goes throughout, throughout the episode and also that she has a court battle with throughout the show. Like they used to do with Daredevil. That was amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's also a bit of a structural mess because there's so many things that like and yeah, you think are going to be yeah. paid off more. Or, or the opposite where it's like there's a character who's funny for one joke or one scene and then they go on for the whole episode like there's a guy who commits suicide for legal reasons so he could like get out of marriages or get money or stuff and then he heals every time he kills himself that's funny for one scene but they do it for the whole episode just it's so that they can hard. seem like a legal sitcom and on the opposite side for example jamila jamil seems like she's having so much fun and but she's, she's not utilized of the show yeah they could have used her a lot more as like her rival or as like this really vain influencer woman, Renee Elise Goldsberry, also not in it that much, probably one of the most talented people in the show, and she doesn't do as much as I hoped. Like, let's get into spoilers, even with, shall we? Yeah. So, so spoilers alert. Charlie right fucking Cox. Charlie fucking Cox is so fucking good. I'm, that whole episode was fire. Episode eight is the best episode of the show, right? We both agree on that. I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, um, it is. For me, it's an honest 10 out of 10 episode. I love that episode. Except for when we're talking about budget. I've also been a little bit lenient sometimes. Like, I didn't mind most of CGI in the last couple MCU installments. The She-Hulk CGI was pretty off-putting. In in the middle episodes, in the first two and in the the final two, it was good, in my opinion. I don't know. It, It felt weird for me the whole time. And I don't It had a similar effect watching the trailer for this. Maybe they improved it a little bit. Um, at times you get used to it, but I don't I know, man. I didn't feel it that much. Uh, in the middle, I did feel it, especially in the wedding episode. Like, the CGI was trash in that episode. Not blaming the CGI artists. I'm sure they did not have enough time to do this. Uh, it's apparently the complaints with uh, with Marvel VFX artists. Why don't we talk more about Daredevil? <laughs> um, also, so- Wong. Everything with Wong was good. Yeah. Like, he has this running joke where he just wants to get back to Comartage and watch The Sopranos. And I thought that was fun. I am a lawyer. We do things by the book. Oh, the book of Ashanti. No, the book of American uh, laws. Um, uh, and he has a side chick at the end. Which is funny. Um, then Madison. <laughs> which was, like, also a I funny will, joke. It's I like a valley say, girl. Uh... We're talking about Charlie Cox, and mm-hmm. um, I was scared because Kingpin was kind of done dirty on Hawkeye. I thought he was like a big joke, basically. I actually didn't mind it, a but big indestru- it's a different discussion. A big indestructible joke uh, instead of like the psychopath that we saw on uh, on Netflix. And uh, I thought they were going to do something similar to Daredevil. 
but he leaps off his show like it's the same guy a hundred percent and every time he's on screen i'm crushing on him i was so and, excited and i'm like i'm like dude you go you bang she hulk you do whatever the fuck you want my man honestly for me like him showing up again i know it's two different situations but it was at the level of like seeing in the the past spider-man pull up in no way home and like interact with the the current mcu i get that but like it wasn't the same for me just because the show was so shit <laughs> like and no way no home no, was no way home is way better than fantastic this fantastic show a we're, fantastic movie we're at the same place there but definitely worse mcu show i'd say give it a go like start it and see what you think but it's not one that you have yeah. to finish. Maybe if you really can't stand it, skip to episode eight. Maybe watch episode one, two, eight, and nine, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah. Just to understand the MCU at large, and like there, are, I think I had good laughs somewhere in every episode. But as a yeah. whole, they're not must watches. Yeah. So it's a good TV episode. Yeah. Um, uh, I will take us off. Maybe watch House of the Dragon now. I don't maybe. know about the crown. I'll maybe probably watch House of the Power. Maybe uh, Hacks. <laughs> we're not as excited as we should be about each other's face. Nope. But I do want to watch House of the Dragon. I'll give you that. And we will give you much more exciting content soon. More reviews, guests as well within season three. I'm excited as hell. Yeah. I'm the most excited I'm for Wakanda Forever episode coming in the end of November. And uh, yeah, I'll see you guys soon. Bye. See ya.